welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we are continuing our series on Welcome to America. Last time we had an extra long episode talking about all of the music. Uh, Today, we endeavor to be a little bit shorter. Oh, really? (laughs) Just a little We are going to talk about the beautiful packaging. For the deluxe edition. For the deluxe edition. Which was our choice. Yes. And uh, the first half of the Blu-ray, live at the Forum in Inglewood, California, April the 28th of 2011. Ish. Ish. Well, no, that's the exact date. Yes. What I'm ishing about is the first half. Oh, It's like the first hour or so. We picked a spot. To stop, yeah, it was which like, seemed convenient. Yeah, it was like two hours and ten minutes, and I yeah. think we stopped right at an hour. Correct. Yeah, because we knew what was coming next was a run of things. That's right, yes. and we weren't ready to run yet. That's it. That's right. <laughs> we have to walk before we can run. That's right. <laughs> I think that was a lyric from "Welcome to America," ah. the proverbial "walk, crawl before you walk." Oh, I don't it was in uh, a thousand light years from here. Oh, cool. You can dream in color. You can dream in color. When you let go of the proverbial. You got to crawl before you walk. So, nice reference. Evidently, <laughs> not on <laughs> <Unintentional>. purpose. <laughs> right. Yeah, so we got the big, very lovely deluxe edition Prince's sweet face half covered. Yeah, and, and I uh, I kind of like the direction that the estate has been going with the sizes of these issues. Um, with originals, you're able to get in a size that was, I guess it was the LP version of ori- originals that also came with a CD. Uh-huh. And then Sign of the Times, kind of the same size, like a 12-inch record size uh-huh. thick thing that had all of the CDs and DVDs in it. Uh-huh. And now, Welcome to America Deluxe Edition that included vinyl, the CD of the album, and the Blu-ray, and extras that we'll talk about. Also, kind of the same size, this Uh kind of LP size, where 1999 Super Deluxe Edition, if you got the CD and DVD version, version like we did, it came in a cool package, but is not the same size as a CD it's bigger, and it's not the same size as an LP. It's much smaller. Right. So you can have a special place to put that. Right. Which we do, but... We are not everyone. We no. speak for the common man <laughs> who right. may not have different size shelves available. <laughs> yes, but we really like this. It's very thick. It opens, what do you like call a that, a gatefold? Yep. Where it's got the extra... You got it, like three panels? Yeah. yeah. It's, well, four, actually. You're right. Yes, it is a gatefold. That is correct. Aha, look at me. (laughs) Nicely done. Yeah. Cool photography throughout. You've probably seen it if you did not buy the deluxe edition, which would cost you about 100 bones, I believe, if I remember what we paid for it correctly. I don't Mm -hmm. know. We pre-ordered it months ago. Yeah. Unfortunately, the only way to get the Blu-ray, at least in America, was to order the deluxe edition. Yeah. So hopefully you're happy getting the album on vinyl and on CD and a book, cool four-color book, and then a bunch of Welcome to America paraphernalia Mm -hmm. because you're going to get it. A lot of beautiful gold foils all over the booklet and the cover. and Lots of photos of Prince hiding behind guitars, too. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. That was kind of his thing in yeah. 2011. I, evidently. A lot of information about uh, different things and a lot of it from the podcast. Yeah, the official podcast. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is kind of transcribed in the booklet. Yeah. With cool photography yeah. um, throughout. Yep. Really, really nice. Really cool purple outfits and beautiful guitars. Just you can tell that he was really forward thinking, making sure that there was a lot of imagery taken yeah or that was just kind of his mo throughout his career when he could afford it whether the photography was used or lot or not there was never a lack of photography of the man himself mm-hmm. that is for sure yep and then there's this really cool set of stuff like a vellum envelope that looks like you could fit a 12 inch record in it uh-huh. that is blind embossed uh-huh and with 
Oh, it's beautiful. It feels so good. Like, it's really pretty. I think this will be something we'll need to take some photos of oh, and yes. post ourselves on social media. Are we on social media, Kristen? Well, we are on social media. You can find us on Facebook, The Mountains and the Sea at Prince Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S Podcast. Or you can send us an email, tmatspodcast at gmail.com. So inside this vellum envelope is some things that you would expect so there's a nice, like, record size image of Prince in a black sleeveless shirt with a beautiful gold guitar. You know, I'm thinking, since we are regular Ikea shoppers, uh-huh. this uh, photo of Prince with his W2A, is that what it says on yeah. his little wristband? Uh-huh. Uh, playing a gold guitar would fit beautifully in an Ikea record frame. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm sure it would, which I think we actually have some. A really huge poster with the lyrics of Welcome to America on it with Prince and hiding behind yeah, the guitar. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about like a two foot by three foot poster. It's, it's Unfortunately, huge. folded, not just folded, but, you know, scored yeah. and folded. Right, yeah, like machine folded. Yeah, yeah. Would yeah. have been nice to get it flat without all of this stuff in it. Yeah. I mean, we aren't teenagers with a bedroom to hang this in anymore. Right. Uh, but okay. We do have a studio we could hang it in. We've got a studio we could hang it in, but it's got creases in it. A studio. It's a home office that we We call it a studio a because we like the way it sounds. That's right. And it right. puts up this facade of magic that you just destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> it's a home office, but we call it a studio because in crea- creative endeavors happen here. That's right. That's right. Then there's some neat uh, like pass things, like prints of the passes that would have happened. Prints, P-R-I-N-T-S? Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, prints of prints. There's, yeah. uh, yes, there's prints like... Prints is shown on these prints. Uh-huh. That's right. It's like um, pass, passes people would have worn on a lanyard. Yeah, like so, VIP backstage yeah, passes. Kind VIP of or working. And then it's, you know, printed, but handwritten, like the date, 4-28-11... And then an all-access pass. It's quite cool. Uh I mean, I wasn't uh, too sure about the bonus swag that was coming with this set, but it is kind of neat to have. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to have seen that stuff with Sign of the Times. Yeah. And or 1999, too. It's really neat. And then there's a place where you can download MP3 copies of the... Music. I'm a little unclear as to why that's needed to be yeah, included well, in the deluxe edition when it includes, yes, you get vinyl, but you also get a CD. CD so right. why do you need a code to go get MP3s? I don't know. In case you don't have a CD drive anymore, which a lot of people don't. Okay. And then uh, like a faux ticket yes. of what it would have looked like with Ticketmaster on it, yeah. even though he specifically says... Yes. You know, let's show him who the Ticketmaster is now. Right. Which is kind of funny. And then there's the records, of course, but the album only filled three sides of records. So on the fourth side of a record... It's etched, and it's super fun. Welcome to America. Welcome to the big show. And Prince, and it's the final lyrics of the song. Right. It's so pretty and It's very cool. Neat. Yeah, again, when I heard I was going to get an etching, uh-huh, yeah. was I excited? I was, uh, I don't know. I just wanted the Blu-ray. But it is a, a, neat, a neat piece. It's kind of a keepsake, I would say. Well, for, for sure. us it is. Yeah, for sure. Because I don't I see us. Really I don't see us dropping a needle on any of this stuff. No, me either. And then there's a nice little pocket set in the back with the actual CD album and the Blu-ray. And I would also say this was a nicer presentation and kind of packaging than with Sign of the Times Super Deluxe Edition. You got pockets in the back where the CDs just kind of loosely fit. As opposed to Welcome to America Deluxe. Yes, there's a pocket, but the CD sits in its own sleeve, almost like a paper CD cover. So you don't have, you know, your disc 
floating aimlessly in a pocket could fall out and get damaged. It's mm-hmm. kind or of or get scratched or yeah. or damaged uh, or damaged. I guess damaged. <laughs> scratched is damaged. Yes, correct. Yeah. So overall, I give this uh, a solid A for packaging. The only part that annoys me a little bit is the big book. Some of the printing is reversed out of. Uh-huh. Giant gold pages, yeah. and it's difficult to read, mm-hmm. especially for folks who grew up with prints who are in their <laughs> middle late 40s now. <laughs> but uh, it's something to study and have fun with, and it's very artistic and nicely done. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Shall we talk about this uh, concert that they decided to include, which yes. I'm grateful for? Me too. It is the, um, I guess, unless you include... The Blu-ray version of Sign of the Times, the concert film. This is the only Blu-ray release of a print show official in HD shot nicely that you can get. If you're used to the shows that were included on 1999 Super Deluxe Edition, uh, this kicks it in the shorts as far yeah. as quality goes. Yep. It is beautifully shot. Yep. Shot with, I, I lost track. I thought I'd be all smart and sit here and say, oh, there were 19 cameras in the arena. Uh-uh. I have no idea how many no. there were. I A got bunch. Lost. A bunch. A bunch. Yep. Yep. Well, let's talk about some of the people who were there. Oh, you mean band members? Yes. Okay. Not the audience. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't have a list of those people. <laughs> Uh, John, Although if you were there, yeah, send us an email. Let us know. Yeah, that's super cool. John Blackwell was on drums. Ida Nielsen, somebody we haven't talked about before, but she was, or not very much before, spent a lot of time with Prince towards the end of his career. She Correct. was on bass and vocals. Mm-hmm. She also goes by Bassida. Bassida is two words, or Bassida. All together, one word, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, or Ida Funkhauser. <laughs> she studied at the Royal Danish Academy of Music. She was in Third Eye Girl, uh, the NPG, a band called Zap Mama, an Afro pop band led by Marie Duma, and my, a pop band from Denmark called Michael Learns to Rock. I did not know about Michael Learns to Rock. I think that's a, such a fun name for a band. <laughs> Very cool. We have Morris Hayes and Renato Neto on keys. Mm-hmm. Cassandra O'Neill. It was Cassandra Wilson, I believe, at the time of the concert. Prince introduces her as, I believe, Cassandra Wilson. Yeah. Before we move on, show your love for Cassandra Wilson. Um, she was on keys and vocals. Uh, she was in the NPG and also worked with Pink, 98 Degrees, Macy Gray, Mary J. Blige, Jay-Z, many more. All right. Yeah. Then, of course, we had the vocalists from the album, Shelby J., Elisa fiorillo Dees, and Liv Warfield. Right. Then on a song that we're going to get to, we have an appearance by Ladisi. Correct. Ladisi Young. She's on Party Man and It's All Right, that medley yeah she's was grammy nominated for many years since 2008 and she i did not know she finally won in 2021 for best traditional r&b performance for her song anything for you she's also an actress she played mahalia jackson in selma in 2014 okay and she's going to reprise Mahalia Jackson in the forthcoming biopic called Remember Me, the Mahalia Jackson story. Oh, wow. That I also did not know. Yes. And Ladisi also recorded a song with Prince, Mm -hmm. released in 2013, called Ain't Gonna Miss You When You're Gone. It was released on thirdeyegirl.com and never appeared on an album. And 2013 was also in the middle of kind of the dark studio period for Prince. He went from, you know, 2010 that was released in 2010 and didn't have another studio album come out until 2014. Mm -hmm. Dropped a number of singles uh, on thirdeyegirl.com and thirdeyetunes.com, which I thought was a brilliant name. Thirdeyetunes. Yeah, thirdeyeyetunes.com. Uh, that was the song that he recorded with Ladisi was part of that. And, and so was uh, Same Page, Different Book that ended up on uh, the album, Welcome cool. to America. Yep. And then uh, Maya and Nandy McLean are the dancers 
And they go by the twins with a Z at the end. Yeah, I uh, you saw them initially as part of the 3121 album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe they were on American Idol with Prince. They mm-hmm. performed at the Super Bowl with Prince in the rain and their high heels. Yes. And uh, they bring out their best robotic moves uh-huh. on the stage here. Super fun. All performed on the same stage that they had for the Super Bowl, by uh, the way, the uh, gigantic love symbol. Uh-huh. Super cool. Which is super cool. I mean, I thought he'd be crazy not to repurpose that for something. Yeah. Um, I'm glad to see that it, it was. Yes. So I didn't know this until I listened to the official Prince podcast that part of doing this run of shows at the forum, which we have one here on this Blu-ray, was to save that venue. Correct. It was, I guess, not doing well. It's located in an area that made it easier for lower income, normal sort of people to be able to go to. And therefore, the tickets were priced very low so that everybody could go somewhere right. between 10 and 25 or $35 mm-hmm. in most cases. Yeah, super cool. Yeah. And I still don't quite know the entire story there regarding saving the forum because uh-uh. they also said that Prince met with the church that owned it uh-huh. and used it for church services. It was the Faithful Central Bible Church that acquired the forum in 2000. They also leased it for other events like concerts and sporting events and used it for an occasional church service. Uh-huh. But uh, when he met with the leader of the church, he said, well, I've already got plans to sell it. And um, it was sold to the Madison Square Garden Company, MSG. Okay. This is some good money-making skills here. So they acquired it for $23.5 million dollars in 2012, which was shortly after this performance by Prince, and they renovated it. And then in 2014, it was listed on the National Register of Historic Places, which is awesome. It's a former home of the Los Angeles uh, Lakers primarily and their title runs. But then in 2020, on March 24th, 2020, Los Angeles Clippers owner Steve Ballmer, a former Microsoft executive, purchased the forum and now owns it. Would you like to guess what his purchase price was? Oh my gosh, more than $23.5 million. That is right. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Exactly right. So let's move on. No, tell me. (laughs) What a cliffhanger. (laughs) Try $400 million. Holy moly. I guess the renovations were uh, well worth the money they spent. Congratulations to Madison Square Garden Company for uh, basically... Uh, tenfold uh, return on their original purchase price. Yeah, good for them. Yeah. All right. There's a title card at the beginning that says that the concert began in the dark. Right. Yeah. And there's like thunder sounds and laser sounds. Well, you knew there and... were going to be thunderstorm I know. sound effects because that's how <laughs> you know our... you're at a print show. That's right. It's if not our not first on rodeo. stage and you were brought in blindfold, I guess if you were blindfolded, it wouldn't matter if you were on stage <laughs> or not. But you would hear thunder, and you would know that you were at a Prince concert, right? <laughs> Forget the blindfold. Uh. <laughs> and this is where you start to see that the Blu-ray is really beautiful. Now, there are some cameras that are a little grainy and a little dark. Like, I'm thinking specifically of the one that they had down low pointing at John Blackwell. Yes. And it's just a matter of they had a small camera that they put in this spot. Yeah. Most of the cameras look amazing. It's so, like, beautiful. Even the dark shots. Correct. Yeah. I totally agree. Especially decade-old dark shots. Yeah, and it doesn't look like it was shot a decade ago. No. It's excellent. Mm -hmm. The the band kind of appears slowly in the circle of the love symbol. Right. Which is really cool. Very cool. It's very, very neat. And then Prince rises up as if from nowhere, like appears on the stage, which is super fun. Well, that's, you know, the big challenge with a concert in the round like this, which is what this was, is how do you get someone like Prince to the right place without walking through the middle of the crowd? Uh Uh, For musicology, which was basically a big plus sign uh, Uh for the stage. He was wheeled out in what looked like band equipment. Yep. He was in a little compartment that they wheeled out through the crowd. 
Um, I remember that. I remember going to the musicology show and sitting on the, we had floor seats for one of them that we went to. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing the box get wheeled in. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, it was super cool. Uh, how he got inside the love symbol, I will not know, but I believe that he made his entrance uh, in the Super Bowl in 2008 the same way uh-huh. uh, that he was raised from the bottom of the love symbol to crowd level. Uh-huh. Super cool. Yeah. Uh, he seems very pleased with the band and the enthusiasm of the crowd. He's walking around surveying things. Oh, essentially in the dark, too. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could make out his silhouette, and he's basically uh, going to the outer reaches of the love symbol to take bows and kind uh-huh. of, yes, and not like Make sure everybody is appropriately excited. That's right. Mm-hmm. I think I see him reach out and give some folks a little high five uh-huh. also. Pretty neat. Um, yep. You know, he's wearing this lovely gold jacket that's kind of cut unusually in the mm-hmm. back so you can see his little booty. Yeah. <laughs> and he's double ear cuffs. And then they start singing, or he starts singing, Joy in Repetition. Yeah. Very fun, nasally delivery. Very, very close to the studio version. Yes. Um, which, of course, appeared on the Graffiti well. Bridge soundtrack in 1990, although it was recorded few years earlier than that. Yes. Uh, and then made its parents in 1990 on a studio album. Uh, it's interesting because we've covered a few officially released live shows. And while Joy and Repetition wasn't played often, it is the first song played at two of the shows that we've covered. Uh-huh. The first being uh, It Ain't Over, the after show disc from One Night Alone. Yep. And here we are in 2011 with him opening a show with a relatively laid back, slow song like this. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting how he's looking for people to be hyped, and he doesn't uh-huh. launch into a jam to start it off. No. It's, um, I mean, probably one of his most well-written songs. I don't know that uh, the general population, non-Prince fanatics like us, would necessarily recognize it, though. I don't know. The whole audience seemed to really be very familiar. It wasn't an unfamiliar song to them. So, Well, they're special people in Los Angeles. That's right. <laughs> I like when he gets to... The part, you know, you kind of listen to the song and you're like, what, what did what did this woman say over and over again? A little bit behind the beat just uh-huh. to turn me on. I don't know what, he, what she well, said. This woman he had never noticed before he lost himself in the articulated manner in which she said them. These two words. A little bit behind the beat. I mean, just enough to turn you on. And he gets to that point in the song where he... You know, reveals she said, "Love me," uh-huh. and the crowd repeats, "Love me." Uh huh. She said, "Love me, love me, love me." That's the part that, to me, seemed like they were familiar with it, but they also got a cue from Prince as well, to what to say. Mm, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> then we move into. Another song, Prince says, Just the Beat. Yep. Just the Beat. He does that a lot in Mm -hmm. the show. Just the Beat. Just the Beat. And then it's a cover of India Ari's Brown Skin from her 2001 album, Acoustic Soul. A cover also not sung by Prince. Interesting. Yes. On song number two of an L.A. show in a major arena like this. Uh Uh-huh. Prince steps off the mic and makes way for Shelby J. Uh-huh, who looks fierce. With her bald head and her beautiful big earrings. Uh-huh, and her amazing makeup. The makeup on all of these yeah. women is, their eye makeup is fabulous. It looked like to me that they had melted down earrings and pasted them onto their eyes. Yes, it was glitter eyeshadow in a very beautiful, solid, expertly done way. Yeah. Now, while Prince isn't on the mic, he follows Shelby around with his guitar and contributes plenty to the song and the delivery. Yes, yes. Yeah, Prince has a whole spotlight after Shelby J sings a while, and then he's in the spotlight just, like, killing that guitar, and it's this orange and white guitar, and he makes great funky face. It's very fun. Oh, yes. Lots of faces during guitar solos here. Yes. As you would expect. Yes. 
Then we have the B-side to When Doves Cry from 1984, 17 Days. I think you mean 1984, my dear. Did I say 94? That's what you said. I I meant 1984. (laughs) I do know when Pervorian came out. Okay, good. Sorry. Um, I mean, I know that we've learned a little bit during this podcast, but that would be a major revelation. I love how 17 Days starts off. If you know the song... Uh, you recognize the kind of distorted guitar that starts it off. You're like, oh man. That's uh-huh. not a song he performs live often. Uh-uh. And he performs it for a good, oh, eight minutes or so here. Yeah, he says, Did you come to play? I ain't playing. This is it, y'all. <laughs> Did you come to play? I ain't playing. Call somebody. This is it, y'all. That yeah. was a really fun way to start. Oh, complete with the lead line, and he sings the bum, 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 bum. Uh-huh. is also unusual to hear him sing live so that was a real treat kind of a fun i mean this is kind of a hits show i would say i mean he certainly doesn't play any new material uh during the show nothing from the album 2010 nothing from welcome to america nothing even from more recent albums when this came out like lotus flower or mpl sound or even planet earth or even 3121 yeah Nothing here. Uh, No, it's like 80s hits and covers. Yeah, yeah. And like this B-side that was, you know, not even on an album, but was as popular as most bands' biggest hits. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. He does, at the beginning of it, he does say, let's see. Mm Mm-hmm. Let me see. Like he's trying to decide what he's going to play next, even oh, though you know that. that there's whole... Is he kind of off the a, mic when he yeah, said that? No, I don't think so. Well, let's see. Oh. It was just very endearing. Like I he was it. trying to make it up as he went along, which yeah. you know maybe. is not the case. Well, maybe. He might have had a set list of songs and song choices. We'll see. Well, I forgot to mention when we were looking through the whole uh, set of ancillary materials that they provided they had a like a set list and actually i did see i didn't look at it close but i did see a set list that looked very like this hanging up oh yeah yeah at one point like there was you saw a band member and in front of them was a piece of paper but the band know what's knows what's going on he had planned it all right. He might not have planned it far in advance, but he didn't decide right there on the spot that it was 17 days. I, I mean, it took at least two and a half weeks to decide that. That's why it's not <laughs> called 21 days. You noticed this. There were lights around the border of the, the love stage. symbol, mm-hmm. and they were connected to... The drums. Oh, that's right. It was super cool. It was. And I don't remember from the Super Bowl performance if that was done then or if that was something new for this show. I'll have to go back and watch the Super Bowl performance. But... um. Yeah, I think uh, John Blackwell's hitting of the drums triggered the uh, lights that uh, rimmed the stage. Uh huh. Super very, cool. Very cool. Yep. And then they, the ladies, break into Lover Girl. Right. Yeah, Tina Marie mm-hmm. from her 1984 album, Star Child. I just want to be. Thank God I wasn't there on stage singing. With <laughs> and uh, Prince does make sure that people remember that that was Tina Marie's song. He mentions it. He does. Um, and she had passed away just, what, four, four months earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, the day after Christmas, 2010. Okay. She passed away from what's believed to be natural causes. There was no signs of trauma or suicide or drug oh. use, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. So this happened four months later in April. Okay. Uh, yeah, his mention of her was rest in peace, Tina Marie. Yeah. Rest in peace, Tina Marie. Sing it one more time, ladies. Here we go. Um, so kind of a sad moment there. I didn't realize that 
Tina Marie was prone to seizures for the last part of her life because oh. she was in an, a hotel room and a picture fell off the wall as she slept and landed on her head <gasps> and caused her to have seizures for the rest of her life. Oh, and she had awful. had a, a horrible seizure uh, within a few days of when she was found, passed away. But yeah, it was something she dealt with because Aww. of this horrible accident. Awful. Yeah. Then we have... Shh. What did I say? What? What? I didn't even say anything. Oh, the song. Uh-huh. Yes. From 1995's The Gold Experience and Tevin Campbell's 1993 album, I'm Ready. Yeah. But he was we'll, not we'll ready. Just, we'll just dismiss that. <laughs> uh, Prince reclaimed this in more ways than one uh-huh. as the artist formerly known as Prince and... During the Musicology Tour, they tore the song up. Mm-hmm. And I think if you've got John Blackwell on drums, this is the song you have to play live. Yeah. I don't see how you have a choice. I realize <laughs> that it's Michael Bland who laid down the tracks, the drum tracks on the studio version. Incredible drummer. Live, John Blackwell is just a bad, bad man. Yeah. Or was a bad, bad man. Yeah. Sadly. In the best way. Oh, yeah. He is wonderful. Bad man. like Michael Jackson bad. Yep. Yeah, Prince. Uh, oh, God. No, I was gonna say he gets to he gets through verse one, and before verse two starts, <laughs> apparently verse two has um, risk of impregnation. <laughs> yes, I can't sing that. Somebody get pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. And even the way he say he says it, somebody's gonna get pregnant. <laughs> I can't sing that. Somebody get pregnant. Uh, it looks like the cameraman lost him for a second. Oh yeah, in you this were one. you were narrating a little bit during <laughs> during the middle of the song. You're like, oh, where's Prince? Where's Prince? Where's Prince? Because <laughs> the camera is kind of looking for him, and it like backs out. Like maybe if we just back out, we'll find him. Well, if you he go if you down. back out, you're gonna have more chance <laughs> to right. Your percentages go up. <laughs> he was there. He hadn't disappeared. No, he was just on the outer reaches of the love symbol somewhere. Yeah. Yep. He does have a lot of fun with the audience. He tells, he intros John Blackwell and says, take no prisoners. Yeah. No, don't take no prisoners. Right. Yes. During a kind of drum solo uh-huh. portion. Of Ladies and gentlemen, I'm a drum, the baddest boy in the world, John Blackwell. And then something that you wouldn't know if you weren't watching the Blu-ray, if you were only listening to this concert, was that Prince goes and joins Renato on the keys. You're right. Yes. And it was super fun. Yeah, he kind of steps. He's got one leg up on the love symbol stage, uh-huh. one leg down where Renato is. And uh-huh. Renato's playing and Prince just adds to it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he just like walks over. He first he leans over and presses some keys, and then he steps down so he can really play yeah. properly. Yeah, and this song has a pretty incredible guitar solo in the studio version. It's handed over to Renato, who plays it on keys in this version. Prince does not have a guitar during this version, which is a little unique. Uh huh. So I just thought, wow, he like even you know, Renato Neto. Then we have Controversy from the 1981 album of the same name. The twins grace the stage for the first time. This is, was the robotic dancing uh-huh. that I was kind of talking to you about. They even kind of enter the stage like they're there courtesy of Boston Dynamics. I don't know. <laughs> well, and they've got this kind of pixelated shirts that are mirror images of one another. And it was fun and interesting. Yeah, it was fun. There's some vocalizing for the audience to copy. Prince is impressed by the dancer's cartwheels and makes a face like, 
Now, that was a choice that I wouldn't have made because I might have fallen off the edge, which, of course, we know is not true. But that's what the look on his face kind of says. Yes, you're right. That's exactly the look that he gave them when they both did cartwheels on the stage, which looks very slick wearing high heels. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, Some great rhythm guitar work by Prince on this song, too, which is cool to see, especially after he gave up the guitar for shh. I'm sorry, did I say something wrong? No, I was referring to the previous song that he had performed, which is titled, quote, shh, unquote. Okay. Sorry for the confusion. There's fun, funky music chants. Oh, yeah. I like funky music. Y'all say, Yeah, and Prince does a fairly complete performance of Controversy all the way up to People Call Me Rude, I Wish We All Were Nude, uh-huh. that whole chant gets done. Yeah. People call me rude, I wish we all were nude. I wish there was no black or white, I wish there was no rule. Uh, and then they turn off the lights for a little bit to give everyone time to get on their feet. Even the ushers and the police, or the police. And the VIP, Prince says. Uh-huh. He's talking to all of them. That's right. On your feet. On your feet. I don't want to see nobody sit down. I'm talking about the ushers. I'm talking about the police. I'm talking about the VIP. Everybody up. Then Liv Warfield sings a song that I wasn't familiar with, and it's which way is up? Period. <laughs> no question mark. <laughs> Which way is up? It just sounded like there was more coming. You're like, well, that's actually the end of the title of the song. That's right. Well, because I couldn't read my janky handwriting oh, okay. that I was you writing. Were, you quickly. were scrolling while, uh-huh. while jamming. It's the which way is up theme, right. which it was a Richard Pryor movie. Yep. Yeah, a comedy from 1977. Yeah. Very short. It's about a minute and 55 seconds of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Then Prince says, my name is Prince. I want to be your DJ tonight. Oh, yeah. My name is Prince. I want to be your DJ tonight. Which to me says, oh, he's going to play other people's music. (laughs) Yep. And he does. Yep. What Have You Done For Me Lately from Janet Jackson's 1986 album, Control. I had that cassette. (laughs) With the red background and Janet's picture and kind of this weird polygon drawn over her with these squiggly yellow lines that just scream 1986. Very fun. I think I wore that out with the pleasure principle and control. Uh Uh-huh. And What Have You Done For Me Lately. Very fun. Yes. Which... Prince often did a medley of What Have You Done For Me Lately and Party Man, although the songs that I have heard him play, he usually starts with Party Man and then it goes into What Have You Done For Me Lately. Uh Uh, On the new tour, when they started playing the Janet Jackson song, he would jokingly yell out, Who wrote that? (laughs) He does not do that here. No. Yeah, the ladies do the little Morris Day shuffle. Yes, they do a good job too. A Shelby out front with the legs going back and forth, uh-huh, and, like uh, a little almost pendulum. like a little pendulum that uh-huh. uh, Morris and Jerome would do, and then do a little uh, cute little high five, give each other five while uh-huh. they're doing it. Yeah, with like finger flourish. Yes, yes, it's fun. It is fun. And then they go into the electric slide. Mm-hmm. Just very fun. That's the bell. Yeah. And then Party Man and It's All Right. Mm-hmm. So Party Man's from 1989's Batman. And It's All Right is from Graham Central Station in 1975. Did the music make you be like dancing? <laughs> and uh, this is where we see Lidisi. Right. Uh, in fact, she gets up to do a little scatting while uh-huh. Prince is playing guitar. That's my Ladisi impression for this podcast. Aren't you glad you downloaded this? Holy crap. Her scatting is oh, top yeah. notch. Oh, it's, it great. it's great. I will. My The one weird part about this is there aren't any 
got three keyboardists on stage uh-huh. between Morris Hayes, Renato Neto, and Cassandra. No horns, though. Nope. And Party Man is a song with horns. So it's kind of, and it's also interpolated a little differently. The little horn line from Party Man is played a little differently in this version than what you will recall from the studio version. It's more like single note and doesn't have the ups and downs, I would say, of the studio version, which okay. I wouldn't say threw me off. It was just like, oh, this one like, changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I wonder why. And I will never know. Unless we can ask Renato Neto, come to our studio. Has <laughs> <laughs> he been vaccinated? Nobody's coming into the studio unless they've been vaccinated. I don't know. I can't speak for Renato's <laughs> choices there. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> after that, I think um, it was during the Prince podcast that Shelby J would uh, explain, you know, Prince had to take a break, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he gets a break. Although Shelby also, this made me, not that I didn't like Shelby J before, because I do. I think she's super talented and a very strong woman and personality uh-huh. and talented. Um, but even she said on the podcast that she had to tell Prince, you know, these people came to see you, right? <laughs> yes. But that it was his, obviously his choice to shine a spotlight on these women, all very strong, some very proven, like Elisa Fiorillo had had a solo album decade, literally uh-huh. decades before this that yep. had a lot of success. Um, but Shelby J and Liv and then Ladisi uh, and to a degree, Ida all get... Uh, a time to shine, uh-huh. uh, especially as we get to this next song while Prince disappears for what I uh, will only assume is a break for him of some kind. Right. For Make You Feel My Love. Uh-huh. A song written by Bob Dylan. Correct. Who released it on his album in 1997, mm-hmm. but it had been released by Billy Joel. Yep. Earlier in 1997. Yes. The so, Piano Man. Yes. And Bob Dylan, a fellow Minnesotan mm-hmm. to Prince. Yes. Uh, so this is handled uh, with Cassandra on the piano. Yes. And Shelby and Elisa and Liv. And then later, kind of surprising to me, Ida coming uh-huh. in to sing different verses. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, Liv was sitting on the piano. Yeah. I thought it was really like pretty and nice. And their voices all work so well together. They and do. It was very neat, and they each come in with their own thing. It starts with Liv, then Elisa comes in, then Shelby, and then Ida, and it was very nice. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, and I'm not a giant follower of Bob Dylan music, but I don't think of him in terms of these super touching love songs. No. But this is, I don't know, there's something about this song that makes me... Mm-hmm. I don't know, almost tear up a little. Yeah. It's about someone who would do anything for someone else, and it's just that simple. Yeah, and well, and I kind of love that it's these four women mm-hmm. singing it together. It's kind of, you know, it can be this love song, but yeah. it doesn't have to be just a romantic love song. It can Correct. be Support. a love song between friends, and yep. I kind of love how pretty that is. And it seems like they all are genuinely friends also uh-huh. and they support one another and so it, like you said yeah a song that they could be singing to one another together to someone else there were lots of different ways you could hear it, but i thought it was a great cover yes and a nice moment in the show agreed and then the final song as we round out the first hour of this disc right was misty blue again sung by shelby right uh, it's a song by Eddie Arnold from 1966 mm. from his album, The Last Word in Lonesome. That would be some. The Last Word in Lonesome. What is some, Alex? Keep up, Christy. Come on. <laughs> uh, Shelby even name checks herself in the song, which mm-hmm. I thought was super fun. Yeah, in a fun way. Again, yeah. you know, I guess this is a good hard to acknowledge that a lot of Prince fans who go to shows to see Prince, I guess it's fair to say grew a little tired of Shelby during this period because she was also kind of a crowd hyper, come on, get on your feet uh-huh. and say Prince, Prince, yeah. all this kind of stuff. And I think that for whatever reason rubbed some Prince fans the wrong way. Like I'm, I didn't come to see Shelby J, but Listening to her on the official Prince podcast and the amount of respect that she has for Prince, how humble she is, how thankful she is that she was given this opportunity. And Prince put her up to this. If you're 
not a fan of Shelby being up there, then you're not a fan of Prince or Prince's tastes because it was obviously he could have done anything he wanted in this show. Right. Um, like I said, here we are in 2011. He's doing a show to promote nothing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. An album that was shelved. Well, yeah. And even if it wasn't shelved, he didn't, he didn't promote anything from it anyway. No. And nor did he even mention his last released album or the previously released five albums. You know, there was nothing like that. And uh, so it made sense to me to, you know, break into stuff that he just wanted to play, especially in a place that, like he said, or he says later in the show, is dear to him for a number of reasons, because he saw shows there as a younger person. Uh Um, And so, you know, these kind of reaching back and uh, getting tastes of songs that he grew up with or listened to or informed his musical taste is super cool. Very, very cool. Yep, and the last bit that we end on is Shelby holding an impressively long note. And then she doesn't drop the mic. She gently sets the mic on the stage and walks away from it. I'm like, oh, that's the, like, least damaging, most grown-up way to do a mic drop. Yes, she put the mic. She didn't drop the mic. She She placed the mic. She placed the mic and walked away from it. Right. Yes. We do make selections every episode. And and I guess we're doing it on this one, too. (laughs) We choose three things, a time capsule, the sea, the thing that we liked the least, not that it was bad, just that that we didn't like, and the mountain, the thing that we liked the most. Right. So these are my dumb rules. I'm going to go first. The time capsule for me was Shelby, Liv, and Elisa. They just really like pinned this time. Them being there was very indicative of this particular moment gotcha. in trans history. Oh, very cool. I'm weirdly going to go with Shh. Oh, okay. Because I feel like he came back to that song for the Musicology Tour, which was kind of a combination of hits, of course, and new stuff from Musicology. But Shh was kind of a cornerstone ballad, and it drove people crazy when he played it. And... Um, this, I think, is the last time that we see or hear John Blackwell playing with Prince, or toward one of the last times. And uh, like I said before, he is a drummer just custom made for this song. So even though, you know, a time capsule is supposed to make me think of the time period from which it is pulled, yes. and shh is from 1994, 95, yep. and then musicology is 2004 uh-huh. and then this uh, performance is seven years later it just kind of rounded out the shh era for me because oh, okay. I cool. don't recall hearing Prince play it a lot or ever towards the true end of his career which I would say followed this tour Okay. so there's my crazy long explanation for my very weird time capsule okay uh, the sea there were so many nights at the forum. Mm-hmm. They did so many nights in a row. I wish, this is very selfish, I wish there was more than one concert included. Oh, well, that's a fair C. I think that's a great point. Very true. Uh, I, and I don't know what made them pick this particular one. Me either. Because I get the sense that they were probably all filmed like this one was. Uh-huh. Um, and thankfully all in HD, so uh, even on our 4K television, the Blu-ray upscaled beautifully and looked superb got no complaints about that at all no oh wow speaking of the blu-ray that is my c is the fact that to get this blu-ray you've got to put out no a lot of money i wish that there had been a cd blu-ray combination um that omitted maybe the large oversized packaging Mm -hmm. didn't include the vinyl maybe didn't include the extra printed material all of which is super cool but like for us we're never going to touch the vinyl, probably. It will stay in this package. I'm happy to have it. But what I 
have liked for this to be more readily available at like a $30 price point that included the new studio album and the Blu-ray and some kind of folding cardboard packaging that was a little smaller. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would have been nice. Yep. And maybe it was a matter of economics that they decided... Well, to get the Blu-ray, you've got we're going to produce this big thing, and right. we're not making to. a low, medium, and high end. We're going simple, buy the album, or go all in and buy it all. Right, unless you're in Japan, and then you can have that is true. the album and the Blu-ray. That's true. Or you could maybe order it from Japan, but we didn't do that. Yeah, but by the time you've paid the premium for that and paid to yep. ship it from Japan. You yeah. probably are close to, you might as well bought the, the big book, the big book anyway. Yeah. And then the mountain for me was the quality of all this, the quality of the packaging, the quality of the video on the Blu-ray, that it was a Blu-ray and not a DVD. Over The overall quality of all of that is my mountain because I thought it was excellent. Very good. I was very pleased. I would 100% agree with you, but I'm more like 95% agreeing with you because of my C from our last episode, which is a couple of tracks on the studio album, including clicks and flaws in them that seem like, as the estate, you could have sourced elsewhere or figured that out or at least been transparent about, you know, we've done our best to preserve... This recording and this album, however, yes. blah, blah, blah. Didn't get that. So, so what's your mountain now that you've recapped your C from last time? It's my time to shine <laughs> and I will recap it as I like. <laughs> my mountain for this episode. Uh-huh. Would you? Do you remember what my mountain was from the last episode? Or what about like four episodes ago? Can we talk about that? If I'm not here next episode, send the police. (laughs) Have them look in the backyard. About six feet deep. My mountain for this episode is 17 Days. I love the way it started, that you get that distorted guitar. It was a surprise. I mean, after starting the concert with Joy and Repetition, uh, followed by Brown Skin, I was wondering when is this going to take off and what song is it going to be? And 17 Days is a really cool and unusual choice and awesome. And the fact that we get a guitar solo in 17 Days from Prince, which we don't get in the studio version, the B-side, was also awesome. Yes. Excellent. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for listening today. We really appreciate that you took the time out of your day to listen to us to talk about half of a concert, which we'll get to the next, the rest next time. That's right. Usually you have to ask me, what are we doing next time? Yeah. And I don't even get to do that part. Oh. Oh. Make sure you tell a friend because it's way more fun when you can listen with a friend. And until next time, happy purple listening, friends. Thanks for sticking with us. 